Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Hello and welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Mabe, and man, it is heating up in Austin, and this episode this month, we have got one of my all-time favorite guests, but before we introduce our guests, uh, Joe Krawczyk is out, his, him and his wife, I think they have a little anniversary this month, so he's out, and we've got a co-host guest this month, so Kylie Leahy, who's been on the show, say hello to everybody, Kylie. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Right. So, Kylie, thank you for being willing to step up. And again, this is Ultimate Team Behind the Team podcast here. Kylie filling in. So, so gracious to Finn. So, thank you for that. Uh, how you liking these summers, Kylie? This is my fifth one, and it never gets any easier. Right, right. It is. what I think we're hitting like 106, 107. It's like all-time records. So Over the top. A with little that, too much. Yeah, with that, with that hot summer, we had to bring in, since I knew he was in town, Coach Ryan Davis. From the University of Maryland. Coach, how was your flight in today? Flight was really good. We're a little bit delayed, but it's always good when you get the exit row and you got free leg room in front of you. So it was good. Coach, anytime we can get time with you, whether it's on time, a little late, we'll take what we can get. So thank you for for being gracious to come in today. So I really appreciate you guys having me. Good stuff. So hey, we'll we'll get kind of one of my favorite topics. Um uh if you don't know Coach Ryan Davis, you've never met him. Him and his beautiful wife, Marissa, they have one child, Jackson, and right. one on the way. How is the dad life treating you right now, Coach? Tell us what's going on. It's I get goosebumps thinking about this, but um, Jackson Edward Davis is my absolute pride and joy. I mean, I this kid, is he's 18 months old, and I don't want him to grow up anymore. Right. He's at that point right now where he's he's got this personality and, you know, he does not care about how my day was when I was at work or what happened in the weight room. All he cares about is that kid's eyes light up when daddy comes home. And it's and it is the best feeling that I've ever experienced ever. So I'm honored to be a part of the club of uh, being a parent. (laughs) I tell you, the. That's so cool. They really will make the clouds go away when you oh, you, you have children. Those so you sweet. listening that can relate, uh, they're a lot of work for sure, but they literally can make just put the biggest smile on their face. So I can relate to that as well. So. Yeah, I heard I heard somebody say that you just trade in sleep for love. I guess <laughs> yeah. that's a good way to look at it because yeah, I hadn't slept since he's been born, so it's okay. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, well, you got uh, one on the way, so yep. You're gonna go have to go. You, right now, you got you got a little like, zone coverage. You're gonna go to man coverage. Yeah, well, it's like <laughs> like Riss and I always say: if, if things in our life isn't, if it's not a full court press, and it's not us, right. so we we like to keep things interesting and fast paced. Um, one more question. Oh, this is a, a favorite topic of mine. I'll pass it to Kylie. But uh, so Marissa, mm-hmm. if anybody knows your wife, she's been a very successful coach, entrepreneur, uh, professional in this field as well. She is a go-getter like yourself. <laughs> you guys both run at high levels. Uh, she's still coaching, correct? Correct. She's at Georgetown. How? So talk about for a minute, how do you balance like all you got going on with both you guys coaching and you got children and I'm sure other things going on? Yeah. So 
as my players say, she's like the real Coach Davis. So they don't call me Coach Davis. That's why they call me RD. They call her Coach Davis when she comes in. Um, but she's got her own career. She's got her own identity. Uh, it, it was important for me to be able to support that. I, I never wanted anybody to associate her from a career standpoint with what I've done hmm. because we've had very separate avenues and she's done a really good job at, you know, creating that identity and, and having that for herself. And so I always want to be a support to that. Um, in terms of balance, I, I don't, I don't know that that's a good word. Right. You know what I mean? I think it's more of a, of a harmony. Like Jax has been in this summer to watch lift groups. Uh, he's totally enamored by our receivers when they train. I don't know why, but he can sit there and he can watch a guy bench or do pull-ups all day long and be good. And then after the group's over, I mean, he's tired and wants to take a nap like he trained. So <laughs> I'm fortunate to be in a situation and work for a head coach in, in Mike Loxley who allows me to be able to have my son at 7-on-7 seven seven and be able to have him in the weight room in some of the groups and around the players. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's good for Jax, even though I want him to play golf or maybe do baseball. <laughs> something that he can play for a long time. Yeah, longevity. Um, um, but I think it's also good for our players who get to see me. I'm the same person, whether I'm with him, whether I'm with Riss, or whether I'm in that room, I'm the same person. So I think it's good for them too. You, real quick, that's a that's a great point you just made. I, I was just talking to a friend of mine on the phone about a job opening and today, and he was uh, – I said this quote to him. I said, it's not about – uh, it's not always about like where you work, but it's about who you work for oftentimes. Mm. Mm. And you got to have somebody who has that core value mm -hmm. that, yeah, we're going to be successful. We're going to win, but not at the risk of you losing your family. No doubt. And so that's a, that's an important component. I feel like for me too, like, cause I've, I've, my first job, I watched um, my boss, his family be destroyed through just working crazy, like 80 plus hours a week mm -hmm. and never home. Now, we were winning, but then the home life was in a bad situation. So I just don't ever feel like the re that reward of neglecting family is ever worth it. So kudos no, to you. It, it, it isn't. And and one of the benefits that we didn't realize this early on, but, you know, we when I when we started dating, I was already a head strength coach. Yeah. So hmm. it was just a little different because the demand was already there. And it's kind of been that way from the beginning. So it's kind of the expectation. And we had Jackson, I was in the hospital and she's like, it was the day after he was born. And she looks at me and goes, when are you going back to work? I said, well, I guess I'll go back today. Yeah, like yeah. he doesn't need me right now. So, but, um, it, it's made it good because it, again, we have the ability to kind of, he can be around and, and we have that environment at Maryland and I'm lucky to have that. So it's been good for us. That, yeah. It's a very, very fortunate situation. Good, good stuff, coach. Yeah, absolutely. When you think about, your career and all the different places you've worked and what's brought you here, um, all the stops along the way. Can you talk about either some of the mistakes you've made or uh, just lessons you've learned that helped you grow? That's the whole episode. No, oh, I'm just playing. Part two. <laughs> so I, I did last year, I, I always, I tell this story now because I think it's shifted me a little bit in terms of when I go speak and when I do things, but I did the power conference last year. I'm back out here to do that again. And coach and I talked that we get to catch up every year with it. But last year, I really didn't know what I was going to talk about. And so I was sitting in my office with my interns and I said, I need some ideas. Like, what would you guys want to hear? You guys are around me every day. What would you want to hear? And, and my intern, Claire Ingersoll, who is now at uh, Virginia Tech, 
she looks and she goes, coach, I would really enjoy if you would just tell stories. And I go, what do you mean? And she says, every time you talk about the mistakes you've made and the things you've learned and you give it to us in that kind of story format, it puts us on your level. And so Mm -hmm. last year I did something that I don't know that a lot of strength coaches are willing to do. But when I came to the power conference, I did an entire presentation on mistakes made Mm -hmm. and lessons learned wherever you want to start. Like you want to talk about the mistakes that I've made in performance and how, um, I had no idea as a young strength coach really what speed work was or or how it should be programmed or how I should go execute it. And really all we did was condition. Yeah. And and every year when we run, you know, my guys now, the current guys will post something and I'll get former players that'll be like, Oh man, coach, when we were running those one tens and I'm like, guys, stop, stop posting this. Like they're like, Coach, you don't understand what it's done for me in my life, the toughness. And I'm like, I was young, dumb, and hard headed. Um at 26, you couldn't tell me anything. That's when I got my first head job. I had all the answers. I didn't care about your experience. I didn't care about your resume. And now, like Cochran always tells me, I worked for Scott Cochran at the University of Alabama when I was there. And when I pick up the phone and call him, he will remind me, listen to your staff. Mm. There's, there's a reason you went and got them. There's a reason you hired them. Listen to your staff. It's always going to be your decision, but just listen. And he talks about mistakes that he made and not listening to us. So I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get the ego out of the way. And right now, I think at this stage of my career, I don't, I don't have much of an ego. I'm very confident in the, in the work that we're able to do uh, with our team. So I think when you get that out of the way, it helps you in terms of being a little bit more transparent, a little bit more vulnerable and, and able to listen a little bit more. I think that's probably the biggest change I think in my career. Yeah, real quick. Uh, so for our listeners, Kylie, uh, if you, I forget what episode she was on, but she's a social worker here and uh, works helps lead leads our behavioral health. And I'm sure you could speak to the power of that vulnerability and empathy. It's kind of what you're. So I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what he's saying. It's funny you'd mention that because that vulnerability kept coming to my mind as you were talking. I once heard a quote that was something along the lines of people relate a lot more to your weaknesses mm. than your strengths, That's right? Strong. Especially if you're in education or leadership, people want to know how you came back from a tough time versus how nothing's ever been hard for you because we can't relate to that, That's you know? Right. And so I think uh, Brene Brown always talks about leadership and vulnerability and how they go hand in hand that you got to put yourself out there in the arena and uh, other people will follow suit and learn from you or respect you so much more if you're in in the arena doing the work. So I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that's a that's a strong statement. Good stuff. Um, just to add to that, um, any defining moments through your <laughs> career? Give us now you to our listeners. If you've been in the strength conditioning profession, everybody knows Scott Cochran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of he's the yeah, yeah, yeah coach, right? Yep. yep. Um, and you obviously have a very good relationship, and he's had an influence. Any defining moments? Because you were, let's go back. So you were you're at Maryland. Before that, you were the head strength coach for football at Colorado State. Correct. Before that, you were at Samford. Correct. And then you were there. Where before that again? So I I was at Alabama two different occasions over this course of four years, and then right before that, I was a GA at uh, University of West Florida for Kent Morgan. I was his first GA, I think. So, 
one defining moment that stands out that kind of shaped or changed or transformed you maybe it could be even something small too it doesn't so, have to be I'll give you this I didn't I've been so blessed and fortunate in my career all right and there like you don't always know what you're in the midst of when you're in the midst of it and so I didn't know that Kent Morgan was going to be so influential in my life. I had no idea that Nick Saban was going to probably go down as the greatest college football coach in the history of the game. I, I didn't, I, I didn't know this stuff. I didn't know that Pat Sullivan was going to change my life when when I met him. Right, and then like full circle, I had how could I ever know that when I did this time at Alabama from 2009 to 2012 was really going to be the reason that I got the Maryland job in 2019. Right, I, I had no idea, but this is what I'm going to give you. I tell everybody if I could go back and do it again, I would. I would be where my feet were just a little bit more. And what I mean is not, I wasn't ever the person that was like looking at the next job. I was always trying to figure out what I needed to do to be a head guy, mm-hmm. and that was the perspective and lens that I chose to look at everything through. But when I was at Alabama, I, I got to the point where I realized, this is pretty special. Mm. Mm-hmm. took me two years to realize this, right? And I, and I said, okay. And Scott gave me this advice. He said, go back in the program, put together, take the template, all right? Take everything we do and go through it with a fine-tooth comb. Everything you like, keep it in there. Everything you don't like, have a reason you don't like it and talk to me about how you're going to change it, okay? And so I get this opportunity at Sanford. So I had studied this blueprint at Alabama and I'd learned it. And Pat Sullivan hires me. And, and you can only imagine, I'm in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and my family's been coming down to go to these games. We're playing Tennessee, we're playing South Carolina, we're playing Florida, they're on the field for pregame, and I'm leaving saying, I'm gonna take this head job at Sanford. And everybody's first comment is, Stanford? No, 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 I'm not going, Shannon Turley was out there, I'm not going there. Right, right. I'm going to Sanford, it's a small private Baptist school in Birmingham, and I'm gonna go work for this guy named Pat Sullivan. And, and Pat, I think it's been two years now. I actually talked to his wife the other day. I think it's been two years since he's passed now. But Coach Sullivan changed my life as a coach. Mm. And so I got this blueprint, and I've learned it inside out, and we had this really young staff at Sanford that these guys have been all over the place, kind of under this this either the Saban tree or a little bit of the Auburn tree. So it's a really cool staff, especially geographically located right between those two places in Alabama. Mm. And what I learned from Pat is that you can coach people harder if you love them and you invest time with them. And there are some things that he did that when he first did it, when I got the job, I was like, what is he doing? I mean, I cleaned the weight room and the staff from Sanford to the University of Alabama is about 52 miles. And when I did my two week transition, I was working at Bama during the day and I was at Sanford at night and some of the assistants would come up and they would help me from Alabama. They would help me clean the weight room and get it organized just to kind of get me off, you know, to a good start. And then one day Pat walks in and he brings Saul's barbecue sandwiches for everybody in the weight room. So in my mind, I'm like the head football coach just walked down here and gave everybody like a sweet tea and a barbecue sandwich. Strong message. Totally. And I'm like, man, this is kind of weird. So he finds out that I enjoy cooking. And a few months later, we're in the, we're in the summer workouts, and he brings these ribeyes from his buddy that owns a butcher shop. And it's got your name on it. 
You know, so he sat down. Somebody thought enough to write your name on these ribeyes and like Mm. they're in your fridge in your office. And he's just got this card up there that says, thank you. And so for the time that I worked for him, I never wanted to let him down. Mm. And it's different when you think about the athletes we get to train. It's different when the relationship built off of trust and vulnerability, the the real relationship, because you're in the arena. It's different when you can push them and they don't want to let you down versus, well, I'm just being pushed. Or versus being afraid to let you down. It's Mm -hmm. it's a because they respect you, they want to give you their best because they know you give them their best or your best. Nail, Nail on the head. And I think that was my time at Sanford that, you know, it was a moment, but it took being at some other places and then getting there. And it took me a little while to realize mm-hmm. like this, this is, this is really special. And he was a guy like it, it hurt when he passed. I mean, I flew out from Colorado. It's been more than two years, it's probably been four years now, but I flew out from Colorado and I was at the funeral and I'll never forget his wife front row of this mega church. And she's like, get him and, and bring him up here. And I'm at this funeral and everybody's there. Every everybody, I mean, Spurrier, Steve Spurrier's at the field. It's like Rhett Lashley's there. It's everybody you can think of, and there were a few people that Miss Miss Jean was like, come up and mm-hmm. be around because she, it's not that I was closer to him than everybody else. I think it's because Miss Jean knew the impact that he had on a mm. few of us. It's really special. It's good stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. Those are definitely powerful lessons, and it's kind of interesting. We're going to get to this next question, but just one point from there was, it's amazing how your perspective changes over your career. And I agree with you. I think that there's times when you're in the middle of a job or situation that you may not always appreciate, but over time, as you mature, you you realize, like, wait a minute, that was pretty cool and special. So... That's that's a, a great thing for for everybody to listen to. So absolutely. Um, so coming into Maryland football, you got there in 2019. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Maryland was in the news because of all the tragedy and all the all the bad things that happened there. Now, don't want to talk about that, but I'd love to hear. You know, you guys feet on the ground, boots on the ground. I would imagine some challenges. What have you done in the staff there to kind of like kind of wrap your arms around those players and kind of rebuild? to where you're at you guys had a again this is my opinion you had a phenomenal year i know you want to be better than that you went seven and six um and i know hopefully you will be better than that and uh so talk about maybe some of the things you've done to help kind of get that program rebuilt and going in the right direction well i think first first it's it's definitely a we thing and it's it's everybody in the organization um i love our players I, i love our team uh i make sure i tell them that every so often that they're hearing it from me, how much I love and respect the guys who are in our program. Um, When we took over there, it was professionally the most challenging thing that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Um, Matter of fact, so I'm I'm talking to Coach Locks and I'm I'm talking to Damon Evans about the job and the interview and all that stuff. And, um, you know, we had really prayed about this opportunity and, and, and saying if we got a chance to do it, we as in Marissa and I, we're, we're going to go ahead and we're, we're going to try to take it. And what's funny is I was in the car. So when I got the interview, I flew up and it was on an off time. It was on like a Sunday. And and I get picked up by somebody and I'm in the car 
And I don't know if it's an ops guy or if it's like just a driver. I don't really know who it is. And so my phone rings and and the number on my phone said Rockville, Maryland. So I'm in Maryland. So naturally I, I pick it up. What well, was another job? And and I'm in this car and they're trying to schedule this interview. And, and I'm going to say this. We talked about when I was young and, uh, you know, my ego and all this stuff. I used to tell Cochran, said that I, I want to be a head strength coach in the SEC. That's what I want to do. And it was an SEC job. And I'll never forget. I'm on the phone and I'm in the back of this car and I'm trying to play it dumb mm-hmm. where I'm mm-hmm. like, cause I don't know who this guy is. It's driving me. I picked up the phone because I thought it might be somebody on the interview at Maryland. And, uh, I, I, during that, that night of the interview, I talked to a mentor of mine and he said, be careful what you pray for mm-hmm. because you spent a lot of time saying what you wanted but you spent this recent time praying for something different, and that's a sign of growth. You're looking for the challenge. We probably could have took the other job, and we, it would have been fine. We would have been, you know, we'd still be there probably, and it'd be, we'd be in the South, and it'd be everything that I said that I wanted as a young strength coach. It doesn't come close to what I've been given from the opportunity at Maryland. Um, the biggest thing that I learned goes back to the vulnerability point. They, they don't care. Like, they don't care how smart you are. They, they don't care what your reputation is as a coach. When your boots are on the ground and you got to look them in the eye, they care that you care about them. Mm, totally. Yeah, it's true. And that was a, we kind of knew that going in. But if you can imagine for six months, we're, we're training them. And I have these guide, these guiding principles I give our staff. Um, for me, if you're ever going to work on my staff, you need to have the ability to critically think and problem solve is number one. I'm going to talk about that all the time. That's because I don't want task-oriented people. I don't want people that I always have to tell what the next thing is to do. The ability to critically think and problem solve means that you're going to be able to take the bull by the horns and get some things done without me always having to tell you. Number two in that is we want to coach with relentless positivity. It's not sunshine and rainbows. What it means is be very direct with what you're coaching. All right. The third one is we're going to invest time in them. We have to build trust and trust comes with time. Trust comes with time and trust comes with vulnerability. For the first six months, I think the athletes looked at us. They enjoyed it and they enjoyed how we went about some of our work. But I always felt like they were waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, like, when's it going to flip? And that's, it's a, it's a very unsettling feeling going through that first year and I'll take it a step further. So, so every day you're, you're having to overcome this stuff in building these relationships and getting these walls down and building these relationships. So we had this mantra and it was, um, you know, Matt file, who's a head guy at UNLV now and Mason Baggett was with us. Who's a head guy at Nevada. And then I had uh, two of my guys that are with me right now still. So that first year I said, look, all morning, I want us to just focus on building the perfect brick. That's it. So we'd lift in the morning and then we'd have run groups in the afternoon. And I said, in the afternoon as a staff, I want to take our time and place that brick exactly where it needs to go. Don't think about what we're trying to build. Don't think about the wall. Don't think about the building. I want to be so one dimensional that we're thinking about the brick. As a matter of fact, I want to be so one dimensional that we're thinking about just the brick in the morning and placing that brick in the afternoon. And then when we come back in, let's bring our lunch pails and do it again the next day. And we had all this stuff about what that meant. 
time invested into building relationships with these guys. And we did that. And I thought we laid a good foundation, but it was unsettling every day because you knew that they were like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. Then you get into a season where you go three and nine. Everything we did was, you know, the, they always talked about like, we, we spend more time on the practice field. We run more. We lift more. And then the first year, you don't get the result. Like, they won five games before we got there. And to them, they were saying, we didn't do half of this. Yeah, we went backwards. Mm-hmm. They're thinking, yeah, it's kids. So, so now you have some attrition in the program, and you go into year two. But I'm going to tell you, man, year two, I think we finally got them to where they said they're not going to change. This is actually you. who they are. The other shoe's not going to drop. This is it. And so we made the most progress, in my opinion, in the offseason of 2020. That was our, and I tell our head coach that. I said, coach, I think it was our biggest step in the program. And then from a football standpoint, obviously our biggest step was last year when you get them to postseason play. And we get the postseason, I think it was the first bowl game in seven years and the first Man, bowl win in 11. What an achievement. And yeah. so we, so now you have a group of guys that are, the buy-in's there, the trust is there, and and the relationships are there. And that was, it, coach, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was the most rewarding from a career standpoint, but it was by far the hardest. I didn't have gray hairs in my beard when I got to Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Along the same lines when you're talking about rebuilding and trust and all of them, all the athletes figuring out how to operate in a new environment I think of mental health and the role of mental health and then all of the airtime that mental health has continued to get over the past couple of years how you know what kind of issues do you see at Maryland and how do you address mental health well I think I think right now in our game it's not just at Maryland I think when I grew up and played football I played Pop Warner and then you would eat when it when the season was over, you would you would go either play another sport or you got to lift and train, you know. And now what I see, the sports are so specialized. And these kids are playing this game from the time they're little and the season never ends anymore. So it's like they go from the regular season to the seven on seven camps to the big man camps and it and it's it's some sort of competition all year round. And the thing that I notice is that builds pressure for these guys. And so all this time and the backgrounds they come from, they, they have people that are depending on them to be successful. And they haven't even figured out what success is supposed to look like yet. This is not the time that you're supposed to be worried about that. You're supposed to be enjoying the sport. And so the amount of pressure that these guys deal with, you start to notice that, they're the support structure for a lot of their family. You start to notice it's really hard for them to keep their feet where they are because they're so focused on the next thing because I got all these people to take care of. And we know it. They're not built to manage this yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to manifest differently for different people, but they're not built to deal with this yet. And so that is probably the biggest thing that I've, I've seen. And it's constant conversation and the biggest hurdle, and you can probably comment on this, is like getting somebody to admit 
that they might need help in managing some of this stuff. And I, and I tell our guys all the time, like, guys, we were not created to do stuff on our own. There's not a single thing you've ever accomplished in your life that when you really think about it, you did it by yourself. Totally. Our brains are literally wired for community. And you made me think of the pressure, especially in regards to external and media and people watching them on TV and how the focus there is you're just a football player, but you're talking about these other parts of their identity. And we try to build that up in behavioral health a lot of the time as well Mm -hmm. to help separate from if you do lose a game, you are still a son, you are still, (laughs) you know, a, a teammate, still whatever your major is, all these other parts of the identity. I think your point is so important, though, being able to uh, create a culture that gives them permission to incorporate their sport into these other parts of their identity as they're figuring out how to shape shift with everything being asked of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we had a kid that came in this year as a transfer and was a really good player at his last school and had all these different accolades and his and I, we have a very good relationship, but I'll never forget Somebody, I, I I put out a training video. I just posted a highlight from the weight room. And you should have seen what some of the people from his last institution were posting. And so I don't, I don't often get into the banter with fans on anything. But all I did is I started posting his stats. <laughs> and I would post him and making these plays. Mm. And I went, the last time I checked, he was a pretty good football player. But, right, but right. the video that I posted had nothing to do with that. Mm. And I, I, the kid hit me up and was like, man, RD, you're a real one for doing that. And I'm like, well, at the end of the day, they're 18 to 22. And sometimes when you listen to people talk because of how things are so built up and they watch them on TV and they, they have the, now they have the opportunity to build their brands and have all the NIL stuff, sometimes we forget that they're 18 to 22-year-old college football players mm-hmm. they're, they're not the again these guys haven't taken on those all those responsibilities yet right. of of being a, a grown man or a grown adult yet not to say that they're not grown young men but they're growing young men and sometimes we forget that the way people talk about them because of how this game has been you know how it's changed in my opinion over the last 10 or 12 years How's, how has mental health changed the game today? Kylie, I'd love to hear from you. And then RD, we'd love to hear your, how's it changed in your perspective? Yeah. I think that mental health and the impact of, you know, uh, uncared for mental health and really positive mental health is not new. I think it's the awareness around it that has grown a lot and that people are starting to realize, oh, okay, my brain controls my body and I have to use my body to do my sport. So if, how my brain's feeling is going to impact that. And I think the fact that um, I always say that the connectedness of social media is very complicated, but I think it's done a lot of good in helping to educate and remove stigma mm-hmm. of that. It's okay to feel different things on different days, but also to say, Hey, you want to be the best is going to start from the top, literally, um, in your brain. And I've even had students in my office that come in. I'm like, what do you want to start talking about? Why are you here? 
And they say, well, you know, this professional football player has a therapist, this, you know, this uh, important they person. Know. They they, and they go, so I want one. I'm like, okay, well, then let's get to work. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think social media has helped it a lot. For I, I have people that I talk to so that I can stay sharp. You know, we, we, uh, I had a guy that we developed a very good relationship who's a, a psychologist and we talk about every other week. And then I've got another friend that does some um, mental assessments on people and, and we talk in the in-between weeks. But you, you'd be surprised how much it helps in terms of keeping you sharp mm-hmm. for not just the people that you're responsible for coaching, but you know what that also helps me do? I had a mentor that said, leave your keys, leave your problem with your keys. So like when you put your keys in the drawer at work, leave your problems at home at home. When you bring them home mm. and you throw them in the drawer, leave your problems at work at work. Don't, don't mix the two. And it's helped me just be able to deal with what's in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think the biggest impact that I've seen on my, my personal side is yes, with the players and trying to keep me sharp for coaching them. But it's also kept me sharp in being present with Jax when I get home. So I'm not clouded with all this other stuff. And and I share that with my players. I've let my players sit in on some calls with me. So they're like, man, I, I didn't know you did this. Yeah. T- see, I hear Kylie, what I hear him saying too a little bit, and this is just my simple Tennessee mind, is you've got to, there's a couple things, I think boundaries, right? You've got to know how to to separate like when you're dealing with things like whether it's your job or performance as an athlete or a coach keeping that separate from like your home life not that you can compartmentalize it but the words i hear there's you got to have margin right totally. you've got to you've got to put that space in there whether it's playing with jacks or if it's you know hanging with a friend or it's doing something different other than being glued into your your phone and in in work or your sport but you've got to have that margin there for recharge. For for me, it's I'm kind of a kind of a chill guy. I like mellow mushroom. I call it. I gotta have some. <laughs> I gotta have some mellow mushroom time where I'm just having my coffee and there's it's quiet. Yep. And that that brings me back up to my mental health and I can clear my head before I go back and I can work again. So I think everybody has. And I've talked to Kylie about this, but everybody has different you know layers and levels of what they need to recharge. So oh yeah. Anyway. Totally. Oh yeah. That's what the boat's for. For you, you're, the, salt, you're a boat salt, guy. Salt water of the boat, and I, the the people in in my family will talk about the money that I waste. Yeah. We love the salt water and we love the boat, and I'm like, y'all don't understand that this is probably what's adding years back to my life. That's my mellow mushroom time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll go out as a family on the boat right down the bay from where we live and drop the anchor and eat. That's that's I awesome. love that. And just say that is yeah. that's, that's your best life right there. Yeah. Really? I'm yeah. Living you. your best life. We, I'm telling you. I, I tell students a lot that also little things add up, right? And so I'll say, you know what, if the five dollar latte today is what's gonna make or break it, go for it because that's gonna get you through. Yep. You know, if if that's gonna push you over to be able to handle the stressors, then it adds up every day. But if you need it once in a while and it's the quick fix or something. Take care of yourself. So when I stop and get the five dollar latte four or five days in a row, I'm gonna say that she told me it was okay. <laughs> Tell Marissa, that's yeah, right. yeah, it's fine. She gave you the green light. Just, My right. mental health coach told <laughs> me like, that I could yes, do this. Uh, Listen, it just uh, helped keep me balanced. <laughs> yeah. Love it. 
good stuff. Well, yeah. well hey, uh, next question. This is one I'm, I'm dying to hear. Um, so you recently built your a brand new weight room, mm-hmm. and Rogue Fitness did the whole deal. Now I got it. We had a strongman competition in Austin here last spring or last year, and I got to meet the owners. Good, think, Katie. Yeah, got to meet them. Phenomenal people. Mm-hmm. They're good friends with Jan Todd, who works here in the That's Stark right. Center. Yep. And so when I saw your you know, we obviously love you, and then you got to work with them. So, Coach, talk to us about laying this room out. Like, was it? Tell us everything. What was it? Was it difficult? Was it easy? Did you love it? Are you never going to do it again? Oh, I'll give do us it again. a little bit. I'll do it give again. Give us a little I, insight. I love this process. I, I love it, and I think as a strength coach, we always love the process about things. But it was a that was two and a half years, you know, and and it was two and a half years of planning and execution and going through it and. Um, obviously when you get the finished product, you're like, it's worth it, but it's a challenge. It was a challenge for us. We went with rogue on a lot of the equipment. We went with, uh, Alico on a lot of our, I did custom bars and plates and stuff with them. And then we had play with the floor. So we had three very big vendors that had never worked together. And, and we're the kind of the linchpin for holding everything together in there. Um, but rogue I guess the first thing I'll say about them is anybody that knows me knows that I'm not afraid to be different. Um, I wanted to do what I felt was in the best interest for the University of Maryland. It's not just about me. It's not my tag on the room. I wanted to make sure that I was going to go with somebody who was going to service that room, service the University of Maryland long after I'm there and give them the same level of service that they did when I was there, and that's what I saw in Bill and Katie. Mm. Um, I didn't, I, I'm not easy with anything, so we didn't, everything in the room's custom. And there's there's perks with that, and there's some challenges with that. There's headaches, there's some headaches. There's some sure. headaches with it. But I guess Rogue being such a big company and such a large manufacturer, those headaches were very minimal. You know, like I wanted to change an attachment on the jammer arm, but our rack is a four by four rack. It's four by four steel all the way across. And so when you change an attachment, the standard rack is a three by three rack. They got to manufacture it. And so we, they went through and said, you know what? Everything that RD built in this room, we're going to go ahead and just manufacture and carry it so that when he wants to change stuff out, it's, it's there. Mm. Um, the first day we opened the room, I had the the owners of Rogue in the room. I had the vice president, Rich, Rich Gray, from Play. I had um, vice president from Alico that was in the room. And all they did was problem solve that first day. Anything that comes up, he doesn't have six months because we opened the room in June. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got a week. Customer service. And it was unbelievable. Excellent. Yeah, it was yeah. unbelievable. I, I think I would recommend any of those companies. So... We were, we were very fortunate. I love the, what Rogue has been able to do for us, the, all the, the attention to detail in the rack, the custom designs that we were able to put together, the small footprint of it, you know, the, even, even down to the, the paint that we used on this stuff. Like every single thing we did was a custom fit for that room, and those guys were unbelievable. I never knew that Rogue was going to be able to do what they did for us five years ago. Had no idea. Would associate them with CrossFit. Um, after doing our room, 
I'm like these guys. They they can do anything. Mm. Well, congrats. Appreciate Beautiful it. room. Thank Beautiful you. room. Thank you. So cool. Thank you. This, you've talked a lot about over the years, right? And uh, and and what you value and how you carry yourself. We want to know with within the strength coach profession. Sometimes there's a perception problem and um, just how you how you present yourself. So. What would you, what kind of advice would you give as far as fundamental principles for strength coaches to promote and gain not only professional respect, but just promote professionalism mm-hmm. and making relationships even with administration? How do you, how do you stay professional? <laughs> give us some insight. Well, I, I think if strength coaches ran a lot of their organizations, I think they'd be the most well-run uh, mm-hmm. teams and organizations because of the discipline and, and, you know, the way, just the general way that we approach things. But for me, it's been, Locks calls this like the chameleon aspect. Like if I'm going to be meeting with ADs, then I better dress like I'm going to meet with ADs. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that I have to change, but um, there, there is a certain level of respect when you can, you can understand who's, who the audience is, understand the room that you're in and make sure that, you're, you're going to get the respect that you want in that room. Um, so that, that's been a big thing. Um, developing relationships. We always talk about how important it is with athletes, but it's also really important to do with your administration. It's really important to do with your donors, your boosters. It's, uh, we, we open the doors of our program. So they get to see me when I'm coaching the players and then I'll go out with them. I'll go to Ravens games with them. I'll go to lunch with them. You've got to invest time where you want to get a return on your investment. And I think that's really important. So if you can dress the part, if you can understand the audience that you're around, if you're willing to put that time in, like, I don't always want to go to a dinner, you know, with an admin or a donor when I can go home and I can be sitting on the bay eating, eating dinner with my crew, Totally. you know, but it's important to do. And I know that we've developed a very strong relationship with our administration and our donors at the University of Maryland, and it takes a lot of time to be able to do. They need to see what you do and understand it. They don't need to see the the exercise prescription of what you do. They need to see how the athletes respond to you. They need to see the relationships that you develop in the room. They need to see how you run your part of the organization, right? It's transparency. And then you need to kind of understand what they do as well. And that takes time and it, and not many of us want to do that, but those people to, to have the support, they can make your life a lot easier. The one thing that I want to see in our field, I want to see more strength coaches that are getting the, the AD roles. I want to see more. I agree. You know, I don't see enough athletic directors who were strength coaches at some point in their profession. And I think Guys like Rob Glass are helping us out at, at Oklahoma State. Kudos to him for right. being broke, the first million-dollar strength coach, right? Yeah. He broke the cool. ceiling. Cool. And this is like the uh, the Roger Bannister deal. You know, it Roger is. Bannister's first four-minute mile guy, and then what was it, 27 people? It had never been broken, and all of a sudden 27 people broke yeah, it. followed mm-hmm. suit. Like followed suit. So success leaves clues. Mm. Let's let's look at what Rob's doing. Let's Let's take some notes from people like him so that, we can have more people like us in those seats. It's good advice. Yeah. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. That's right. Yeah. 100%. Well, good stuff. Well, Coach, a uh, little shorter show today than normal. we got to land a plane here. Kylie, 
he's in Austin till when? Sunday? Sunday. Sunday morning. Give him top two choices. Where should he go eat? He's going to be down south. Where should he go? Kyle? I got you. I, uh, eating locally is one of my favorite things to do in Austin. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, my husband and I love Loro. It is off of South Lamar, and it's like a Korean um, barbecue fusion. So it's Aaron mm. Franklin of Franklin Barbecue, and then I can't remember his name, but the man, the head chef at Uchiko Sushi, and it has come together in this beautiful, unique food, delicious. Loro. Loro. L-O-R-O. Yep. Okay. Um, and then... Gosh, maybe, you know, for some breakfast tacos, if you can get some Veracruz tacos. You are speaking to my heart or right now. We love Tyson's tacos, a little hole in the wall. Um it's it's hard to go wrong with breakfast tacos here though in Austin. So uh, So I'm a foodie. And oh, I, I, really? Oh my gosh, yeah. You're you you're talking to the right person. I, mean, I, I might need to give you a, I, I a longer list t-shirt on. Yeah. I, I and this is the last story that I'm going to tell okay, real quick. Yeah. When I go places, we went to Charleston, South Carolina, and I went to the two best barbecue places that were across the street mm-hmm. from each other. And I the crew that I was with, you know, Marissa's looking at me going, "He's going to do this again." I go, "Look, I want the sampler. I want all your best stuff up there and give me your two best sides." And I told everybody, "Don't crush it." because I'm going to go across the street and I'm going to do the same thing. And I'm going to tell both owners. So I go talk to the manager. I said, if you guys are the best, I'm going to come back and I'm going to buy a shirt. And, and so the guy, I love this move. The first one, the first restaurant, he brings out my tray with the t-shirt. Oh, my And he goodness. goes, if you don't like it, bring it back. But I know that you're going to be back here to buy the shirt. So I'm going to just save you a trip. I love the confidence. Well, I wore that shirt. He yeah, was he right. Knew. He was right. So yeah, I, I love I love food. Yeah, you might want to stop into Terry Black's here. Then is one of our barbecue spots. I would say it's my favorite personally. You want to co-sign this, Coach? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, we're not sponsored by right. these. Nope. Any of our just listeners. so we're clear. We, just, we love Austin's a great foodie town. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we, we love, love to food. eat. Terry yeah. Black's. Terry Coach, Black's might be making it. my first stop tonight. Yeah. And if you put on weight, that's not our fault. Though. No, I'll, I'll get. Listen, I train. Marissa can't be mad at. I train so that I can eat. <laughs> that's the whole reason I train. We understand that. <laughs> yes. We're good. So yes. Well, Coach, last thing, where can people connect our listeners if they want to follow up and reach out and just kind of learn more about you? All of my social media platforms are at Coach Ryan Davis. Feel free to reach out, DM me. I'll I'll respond to a DM way faster than Mm -hmm. I would an email. So feel free to hit me up in in anything, any way that we can help you. Our doors at the University of Maryland are always open, not just to you guys, but for you listeners as well. If you're ever in town and want to stop by, hit me up. Let me know. We have no secrets. Come see us. Good stuff. So Again, awesome. listeners, if you've never met Coach Ryan Davis, chase him down at a conference, bug him over social <laughs> media, do something, connect with him. The guy will bring out not just positivity, but he'll make you want to be a better leader, man, coach, husband, father, uh, daughter, all the above. Um, coach, thank you for your time. Uh, Kylie, thank you for filling in while Joe's this is out. so fun. Uh, great episode today. Again, that's it from Austin, Texas. The Team Behind the Team podcast. We'll catch you on the flip side. Hook them. Hook them. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.